What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the last episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast Season 4. It is the 30th of June at time of recording. Hopefully, it will also still be the 30th of June when we release this episode. But yes, good people, this is the last episode for a couple of weeks. We do also need a summer break. Uh, after all, we are not machines. Anyways, we do have a nice little host of topics for you today. But with me, as always, a man who to me is like the circus show is to Bayern München or was this past summer. It's Billy. A lovely little tee up to what we're going to be talking about today. So for those that didn't quite see it on the last day of the Bundesliga season, Bayern Munich winning the league. Many people thought it was going Dortmund's way. But in the after immediate aftermath of that, I should say, Sashan, Hassan Salihamidzic and Oliver Kahn were fired with immediate effect. So we're going to take a look at that. We're going to take a look at why. We're going to take a look at what's happened since and who is going to replace them, as well as a few leavings and comings in the playing staff as well. But without further ado, let's get to it. So, yeah, a lot of stuff going on on that last match day. It seemed like the last, you know, the final whistle was blown. And then two seconds later, Kika put it out. Um, Bratzel and Khan sacked. Let's just go through the timing of this. Timing is nothing short of catastrophic. The fact that the leak went out so that with immediate effect, right after they win the title in the most dramatic fashion, then the bosses are fired. It's got it's got nothing to do with style. It's got nothing to do with, you know, appreciation of what those two have done for the club with all the shortcomings. And we'll get into those definitely this episode. They're still very acclaimed players who have done a lot for the club. They've uh, won champions, a Champions League for the club, multiple Bundesliga titles and DFB Pokal. They haven't done nothing. And to them, fire them like that. It just, it, it, it was just so fitting for the whole circus that was going on during the season for Bayern. Well, I, I said at the time, because I covered the Dortmund game, uh, and I said at the time, it was almost like a double reason for Bayern fans to celebrate, because you'd won the league also, but also the amount of unrest about those two, particularly Hassan Salihamidzic, I think more than Oliver Kahn. I said it was a double reason to celebrate because they'd gone, but the timing, you're, you're right, is a bit bizarre. Like, surely you would just let them enjoy the moment because then all that stuff came out in the immediate days that followed that Oliver Kahn was told he, he wasn't allowed to go to Cologne with the team. You know, he had to watch them win the title from home and things like that. And it was all very messy. It was, yeah, they tried to say he was ill. And then he came out on Twitter and said, no, I'm not ill. Yeah, I mean, it was... I think I think you're definitely right in saying it was the double reason to celebrate because I still believe as well that it was the right decision to fire them. Like I said, it's the timing for me. 
the thing is that many people were saying that Uli Hoeneß and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge weren't, um, they, were, they themselves thought so little of Bayern's title chances that they were going to basically say, do you know what? We already know this is going to happen. We're going to have the meeting before the game's even even up so that, you know, once the season's over, it's that is done and dusted as well. We don't have to worry about it, which to me is just problematic because, you know, I think it should be in the DNA of any football club to basically say it's not over until the fat lady sings, which I'm sorry, they were proven to be, it's proven to be uh, correct in this situation because Bayern were gifted the chance and they took it. Um, And thus now you have, or you had the problem of, you know, the bosses already having to deal with that before the game was even up. So it's it's one of those things, you know, Uli Hoeneß, we now know, is basically taken taken back the reins. Uh, Uli Hoeneß and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge have come out of retirement to right the ship because it can't go on without them, obviously. This is arguably my biggest issue with the whole thing. Not the fact that you've sacked two people on what should have been... Uh, joyous occasion for them personally but yeah i said it countless times already about buying just let the man go just let him retire let him live by the lake and i know he might want to come back but one day he will die and you can't just go oh well we'll bring early harness back because we we can't cope without him like you have to just sever it and get someone else in because Here, here's the i mean i i know that at so, to a, to a certain extent you're you probably are right uh that you know you if if it's not going to happen now or if it doesn't happen when he actually says he's going to retire then it will never happen but the thing is that in a football club he has the highest amount of power any person can ever wield in a football club so basically uh you have this situation where he probably will keep this sphere of influence until he until he passes. I, I I truly believe that until he is on his deathbed, he will always ha- wield some form of power. Or, or I mean, I say until his deathbed. I think until he is physically not capable of basically influencing the goings on of the football club, he will be. Yeah, I mean, he will always have a say in in the goings on, and you can view it as a problem or as uh, a blessing in disguise. I think only time will tell now. But at the end of the day, you still can't discredit what he did and how he built that club. So, you know, it's one. It, it just it it's it's such a it's such a hard decision to make. I think and. You know, you have to just look at the fact that Bayern fans were willing to take him back into the presidency with open arms after he was convicted of uh, tax evasion in 2014, served his time in prison. And the first thing that he basically did after getting out of prison was to be reelected. And he was reelected with a whopping 98% of the, of, of the fan base. And you know, that's not saying nothing about his influence. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, Uli Hoeneß is here to stay. Um, how much good that'll do or how much bad it'll do, 
time will only tell. But from my personal opinion, he he's definitely made some mistakes um, in running the club. I think most notably would be the fact that he let Tony Kors go and didn't think too highly of the now most decorated um, and successful German football player of all time. Um, you know, that's probably his biggest mistake. And I think he'll, he's admitted that he's admitted that as well. Uh, but he's also done so much to bright the ship. I mean, he basically took the club from when in the eighties, the Bayern brand was, was definitely hurting. And he took the club from basically ruin to one of the top three clubs in Europe, arguably, you know, as I think, you know, as long as people will last, you know, you obviously Man City won the trouble and everything, but when people think of, you know, the top three clubs in Europe, they always name the Spanish giants, Real Madrid and Barcelona, and then Bayern. Those are like the three clubs that no matter how badly they're doing uh, from a, from a sporting level, they still have a certain pull that attracts players. And that's down to Uli Hoeneß. Okay, so let's leave Uli Hoeneß for, for a moment. You're the, the Bayern fan. It's, it's your club. Where, how do we get here? Because obviously, uh, Hamazic Khan gone. Uh, the current CFO, Jans Christian Driesen, has replaced Oliver Khan. No replacement as of yet. For Hassan Salihamidzic, but how did we get to this situation where they were being sacked during title celebrations? Is it a case of rubbing board members the wrong way, or is it a case of the fact that winning the title on the final day is so unlike the the regular established Bayern Munich way? Well, the thing about the regular established Bayern Munich ways. It's it's arguably just uh, you know blown a little bit out of proportion. You know, it's the fact that it's become so much of a norm to win titles that now not winning them is obvious. All of a sudden, you know, a cry for you know a whole revamp of the club. It you know in normal any normal club they don't win a league title one year. It's not the end of the world. But you know, for Bayern, they've just developed these almost unattainable standards at this point. Um, that, in my opinion, is also down to the Bundesliga. We've we've said it both before that, you know, Bayern can't be at fault for the fact that the rest of the Bundesliga isn't up to par uh, to be fighting for the title. That's just a fact. Um, but, you know, I think the, the moment that we should probably use as, you know, the defining moment from where it started was probably the installation of Oliver Kahn. Um, and I think a lot of people underestimated, I say underestimated, a lot of people expected him to be, you know, the guy that he was on the pitch, you know, the Titan, the guy who would, you know, go studs up at the opposing striker's head outside the box to clear a ball. And, he really wasn't all that when it came to his position as Bayern CEO. Um, what he did attain or retain was the, you know, the almost like a goalkeeper notion, you know, goalkeepers, they are part of the team, but then they're not. They're their kind of own breed. They're their own separate division. Um, and a lot of people who are close to Bayern have said that one of his main issues was 
that he was kind of separated also from the club in that sense, and that he liked doing things his own way, much in comparison to Hasan Zadihamidzic, who was also instigated or installed by Uli Hoeneß, um, because there's always this notion that either in the CEO or sporting director position, usually more the sporting director position, there should be ex-players, which is a good notion, I think. But, um, you know, that was Hoeneß's reasoning. And Hasan Zadihamidzic was always going to Hoeneß for help or for or or for advice and khan did it maybe and you know this is what huna said in in hindsight khan did it maybe five times during his whole tenure well the the other difference is of course uh uh, brazo for ages was sat on the bench yeah and how often do you see that from from one of the higher ups in a club sat with the substitutes with the coaching staff Obviously, he packed it in this season. I know he was... Well, I mean, that that was also due to the fact that he very often was, you know, discussing or or just or really just berating the fourth official, which a lot of people are like, you know, he shouldn't be doing that. Um, that's why he went up to the stands this season or this past season. But that was still, you know... Yeah, it, it's, it's almost down to the football culture in Germany because, you know, I, like we've... Like we said a lot of times, you know, in in England you have you don't have a sporting director in that sense because the um, the manager has so much more power in that sense that he basically gets the players who he wants in his club and it doesn't let the sporting director basically plan his squad for him, which in my opinion makes more sense. The thing that makes less sense for me is that the manager then has to go and do basically you know figure out all the transfers and whatnot, and he's so. Like yes, it concentrates so much on the squad rebuild. Where I, where sometimes you have said, you know, some English clubs would benefit more from a sporting director position. But you know, at the end of the day, Zali Hamicic, he did do the sporting director job to the best of his ability. But you know, as we've said, his track record, I think, speaks for itself. When, uh, when the decision was made to be, do we fire him or do we not? Because, say for last summer. And even last summer, I'd argue, you know, Mane, not anywhere close to what people expected of him. Uh, the the main signing that basically worked was Delict. That was it. And, you know, for the great summer that he had, apparently, a lot of players still didn't work out. And before that, you know, we've said it time and time again on this podcast, it just went downhill from there. So I think there's a reason why Zali Hamadjic was fired, and he took that reason on the chin, stoically, which is why he was a in to go to Cologne and watch the last match in comparison to Oliver Kahn. Okay, fair enough. I think a couple, couple things, I think. So no replacement for Sally Hammersitz yet. And you said that obviously a lot of English clubs don't have that. Sporting director, the manager has a lot more power. A buy-in shifting now to giving Thomas Tuchel more control over players that he wants, not necessarily buying targets. Are we going to see, you know, is Rafael Guerrero one that Thomas Tuchel would have wanted? Is uh, Kim Min-Jae from Napoli, is that a Thomas Tuchel player, not a buy-in scout signing? 100%. I think there's um, Guerrero especially uh, because they, you know, work together in Dortmund. Um he was pulled through. Connie Lima was basically already a done deal ages ago. So even before Tuchel took the reins, 
Um, there was that small little issue of uh, when Konrad Leimer's uh, signing picture was posted by Bayern social media accounts and the trees in the background were quite bare for the fact that it was uh, the start of June. So obviously that transfer has been done and dusted since, well, if we're being honest, probably February, March. Um, but that's not the issue. Uh, Tuchel definitely is, he's got more power than any other manager has had in the history of Bayern. And I say manager, obviously manager in Germany doesn't mean the same thing. I'd say he's got more power at, than any other coach. And this is including Jupp Heynckes, this is including Pep Guardiola, who was famous for saying Thiago or nothing at the time when he came in in 2013. Um, that's saying a lot. And Kim Min Jae, hundred percent of Tuchel's signing, um, but it's not like Tuchel is now just going rogue and saying all of these players that he wants. It's basically he said, "Here's a list of players I would like, see how they fit," and then the board will come back and say these players are doable price wise, um, and in our budget, these players aren't. Hence, why Declan Rice is not going to Arsenal most likely, and not Bayern. Um, Slight possibility over Harry Kane. I know that first offer was disgusting and derisory, and that's coming from someone who doesn't like Daniel Levy. Um, but yeah, but put it this put it this way: if at the end of the day, yes, Kane is an unbelievable player, but you're talking still at about a player who is now turning thirty in a few weeks' time, and is on the last year of his contract that you're not going to be starting your bid at market value i think any club any sane club will do i know as much as english you know english fans will love harry kane and say harry kane's insane which he is he's still on the end of his you know he's on the tail or, or he's moving towards the tail end of his career um he's right now in his he's still like on the he's still i'd say in his prime but he doesn't have seven or eight years left in him anymore. We just have to be realistic. And on the last year of his contract, um, I'd say Tottenham are definitely, they're, they're, put, they're putting a lot of, or they're putting all of their eggs in the basket that they can convince Harry Kane to sign a new deal. Because I think if Levy lets Harry Kane go on a free next summer, Tottenham fans will have his head. Well, We'll cross that bridge, potentially, if and when we come to it. It's not players coming in that's uh, the main cause of some concern for Bayern fans and those in the board. It's the leavings and the way that they're treated. So, we'll, uh, particularly Julian yeah. Nagelsmann, yeah, very, very quick. And then Alfonso Davies as well was not 100% satisfied. No, I think that's that's one of the things that uh, Bayern now have to contend with is the fact that the way they fired uh, the board is going to one look for you know possibly or or the the uh, possible incoming players, you know players that they're actively trying to convince of a transfer. They'll look at that and say, you know, sometimes that board might be very trigger happy in letting people go. Um, that might influence my decision to stay or not. Uh, or to even move there. Davies is the prime example of that because everyone said the um, the uh, 
contract negotiations for an, a contract extension were going very well and a contract ex extension was basically done and dusted. After the firing of the board uh, of the bosses, Davies' agent goes and says, well, I'm leaving Munich now without having signed a contract because we don't know who the hell we're negotiating with and we don't know who we'll be negotiating with in a year's time. So we're going to wait until he has one year left, which will put Bayern on or under pressure even more um, to even see if we're renegotiating. There's some talk that, you know, Davies is actually waiting out a possible offer from Real Madrid um, who have definitely shown interest um and it's things like that which kind of have influenced the board or have influenced the goings-on at Bayern um and it's all down to the way that you know Nagelsmann was fired and then now the board has or the bosses have been fired uh so it's it's not reflecting well on the club no well it can't be all good I suppose You're for so long been so successful there has to be something that yeah. goes wrong otherwise it's yeah. just not fair don't take this the wrong way uh because not i know you, i know you absolutely d dislike this club but is this not slightly morphing into the psg obsession with winning the champions league i know it's it's the it should be the goal of everyone in the Champions League to get far in the Champions League and potentially go on and win it. Mm. But the fact that the bosses at Bayern weren't happy enough with the league and the performances on the pitch that they deemed those performances weren't going to be good enough to give you a fair shot at the Champions League. I'm not suggesting that if Tuchel doesn't win it next season, he'll get the sack. I'm not suggesting it's going to be like PSG with a new manager every year. But are we getting to that point now, or were we getting to that point before the changes were made, do you think? I wouldn't say it's to the point like a PSG-type obsession with the Champions League because time and time again, they've said that the Bundesliga is priority number one and all other titles come after it. So I wouldn't say it's in that sense. I personally, as a fan, just from a fan perspective, would actually like it if they said maybe we're going to try and build a Champions League dynasty like Real Madrid did um, 2016 to 18, you know, the, the three-peat. Um, that, that's just my personal opinion. But I think it would be a refreshing change of pace to basically put more into winning the Champions League than to put uh, to winning the league because the league we've shown we can dominate and now it's a chance to show the rest of Europe that you can dominate the rest of Europe and not uh, just dominate the league and then get kicked out. Because Bayern have been kicked out of the Champions League the last three quarterfinals in a row, but have won the league in those same seasons. So me personally, I think it would be better to focus on the Champions League, um, but I wouldn't say it's going to the PSG-esque uh, levels where basically Champions League or nothing and then it you know, the manager's going to get the sack every year. And basically, you, because the, the philosophy is just different. You know, you now see that even PSG are moving more towards building a uh, an FC France because they want to get all the French internationals in. Um, and they're moving away from signing all the star players, which I think, you know, that might actually make PSG a title contending team in the Champions League for once, um, if they do start to build it up like that. So I'd say yes and no. 
Um, but more no. In answer to your question, is Bayern moving into a, like a PSG type arena? No, no, that's that's fair. It wasn't. Uh, I think it's going that way. It was just a. Could it have potentially have been going that way because yeah, that you know their reasons for sacking Nagelsmann that were given publicly were, you know, we want to win the treble. Yeah, yeah. Possibly I mean, with yeah. more of an eye on the Champions League, and it's like we don't yeah. feel the performances are good enough. I mean, I think you know we've we've definitely talked about the Nagelsmann sacking at length on on this podcast, and if you guys um, want to hear our exact thoughts on that. Uh, do go and listen to the previous episodes that we do have on that. Um, but what I will say is, you know, just reiterate what what the main reasoning was. It was just the fact that Nagasman probably would have gotten the sack in the summer, um, but Tuchel was only on the market at that moment in time, which is why they sacked him. So I think, yeah, I mean, make of that what you will. Uh, but yeah, the performances and the way the football was going that Bayern played, it wasn't to the boss's liking, no. No, that's fair enough. Okay, so before we we wrap up, we've talked about some players coming in. Um, players leaving. So there's going to be a lot of change oh, at yeah. Bayern. Uh, Lucas Hernandez leaving for PSG. I think it's probably a good move for everyone. Never really yeah. picked on, considering the amount of money that was paid for him. 80 million euros. I mean, it's still Bayern's record transfer to this day. Um, you know, I think they'll probably get 50 million, give or take. Um, depends on what the add-ons uh, bring. Um, multiple sources are saying anywhere between 40 and 50 million basis fee and then plus add-ons. So we'll see how much they actually get in for them. They're taking a heavy hit. That's just a fact. Uh, but yeah, if you look at the amount of time he has spent injured, particularly in the last couple of seasons, you know, just this past season, he had a tear in his, uh, um, in his groin and then an ACL injury. And that's both in the same season. Um, you don't see a lot of him on the pitch, sadly. Uh, it could have been, but I think, yeah, it's a good move for all sides. Fair enough. I of the opinion myself that you are signed the wrong Hernandez brother, but I still, you, I still you've given, day, you've given your reasons. You've given your reasons. I, to this day, I will tell, I will fight you on this for <laughs> till eternity. He is not the wrong Hernandez brother. At the, at the end of the day, his brother, his brother plays in in, in a more inferior league, and definitely, uh, yeah. And but he, he emphasis on his, the word plays in in a he space plays, in the World Cup. He plays. Just because he's not as injury prone, but you know. <laughs> uh, leaving Lucas Hernandez, Pavard has told them that he wants to leave. So they're the I two. I mean, you probably could get a good amount of money for him. I, so. 20 million max for Bonjamin Pavard. Mm, you, he's, I, he's, I'd he's, say they can. He's feasting off of that World Cup goal against Argentina. Still is, but that will still make his trend, his market value. I think. I mean, I don't know his exact market value at this moment in time, but I'm pretty sure they could get a good 30, 35 million for him, depending on who came knocking. You know, Manchester United have been uh, quoted as having interest in him. Just yeah, so you know. that can go away. We've got Aaron Wambasaka <laughs> and Diogo Dallo. Well, he so could play in the center back position. He could be your replacement for uh, Min Jae Kim. I'm, so you so, I'm so salty about that, but I can't go into that now because. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to say, we'll, my good people, we will be definitely going through a few transfer episodes this summer. So keep your ears peeled for those. And uh, depending on how many players move from Italy to Germany and England, there's the potential to talk to some experts of Italian football that we'll have yep. lined up for you. But they're the two, in brackets, definite players. Hernandez, yes. Pavard, probably. Players that Lothar Matthias has said. Well, yeah, leave. I mean, obviously Marcel Sabitzer on yeah, loan at I, United. Contact he's actually quite happy with you guys. I don't know why they haven't negotiated a a, a deal already. Well, um, contract. His loan move expires today. Yeah. Um. But you can buy next season's home kit with his name and number. Uh, and yeah, you but you can still. I mean, you can yeah, still you do can't. that with Joao Cancelo. Yeah, up but until... you can't. You can't buy Alejandro Garnacho's forty-nine because he's getting number seven. Uh, I'd I'd have him. I don't know whether we pay or that United would pay the twenty million that. I'd say he's worth twenty mil. Would he's you? worth it, but I don't know whether United have the budget available until they ah. sell some players. So it could be a case of, yeah, okay, fair stay enough, there, yeah. don't do anything stupid, and we'll come back for you when we've got the money, money from yeah. selling. Now, I'd say, not, put it this way: the others, the Neuer others, is back. Is the yeah, only thing is. I'll say. That's that. I mean, surprise, surprise. But I think a lot of people underestimate how much time he still has left in him. Because you know what was actually been said is that Noya actually views his injuries as giving his career more longevity because he says, yeah, I've spent, you know, a season and a half basically out not playing. So I can actually tack that on to the end. I'm my brother. That's not how that works. I, I, yeah, my, I was about to say, I, my, my brother, much... that's, that's not how that, that's not how that works. I'd, I'm, I'm skeptical too, but at the end of the day, he has shown that he can come back to full strength. Um, you know, take the 2017-18 season where he was completely out, and then 18-19, um, he was back to his former self. Uh, won the treble, you know, anyone who takes a look at what he did against PSG in the final of the Champions League 2020, um, I think enough said. And thus, Zoma and Nubu have no chance. So I think Zoma, there have also been reports that he has a release clause in his contract that is uh, dated until 2025. Um, Nubu is coming back from loan and his, I mean, he's already said multiple times that if he's not coming back as a number one, then he is moving elsewhere, which is fair, but I'm sorry. You know, a good, a good few seasons at Monaco does not give you enough credibility or power to basically kick out the best goalkeeper of all time. So they're basically on their way out. Um, Gravenbech, I would personally say, my guy, you're 21. You've played a couple of good seasons for Ajax, and now you're saying, you know, I want to play regularly for Bayern. I don't know. What would you say about that? Uh, look, I said it at the time that he was never going to get in over Kimmich and... Goretzka. He's yeah. a good player, but I think perhaps promises were made that haven't been kept by Which the, wouldn't be the first time, yeah. By the previous regime. I think it would have been a oh yeah, you know, you you'll definitely play. You know, we'll we'll work it, we'll play a midfield three. I think the emergence of Musiala 
hasn't helped that, although he was on the radar at the back end of last season before you signed Gravenberg anyway. I mean, yeah. look, if, if Eric Ten Hag's going to make a habit of signing players that have played in the Eredivisie, then I'll have him. I was going to make a point about Mason Mount and not playing in the Eredivisie, but no, he had that loan spell at Vitesse. <laughs> there there so, you go. You um, know, put, put it this way. I think uh, just the fact that he he's m- multiple times gone and given interviews to Dutch media basically every time shot his mouth off saying you know oh i'm not playing oh, i'm not playing like at this point he's just going to be a hazard for the team cohesion and his market value is around 30 million basically just take the money and run for the fact that you bought him for 18.5 million from ajax break in 30 million again that's decent i know the the, the add-ons to that deal can bring the transfer fee up up to I think twenty three million, but still that's a seven million plus, and you never know what you know add ons might get tacked on to a new deal. So I think sell Garvenberg and take the money and run. Bold of you to assume you'll get anywhere near thirty million for a player that hasn't played for you, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of Premier League teams will pay that. Oh yeah, because Premier League clubs have too much money. It's hundred percent. Any the anything. Minute- Anything you'd sell to a team from Italy or Spain, if a Premier League club, club comes calling, you tack on 30%. 100%. Or if it's that, United, that's... 60%. Anyway, uh, just before we finish, Mane. So the problem, good, child. <laughs> so good for Liverpool. I'm of the opinion, and I said it before, yeah. countless times, that entire Liverpool team was just emotionally fucked. I, emotionally, physically, mentally, whatever you want to call it, just burnt out across all levels. It's it's just that's that's the toll of playing a season where you get ninety seven points and lose one game and still don't win the title. I think that would kill anyone. That's almost as bad as what Dortmund had to deal with just this past uh, this past um, season. You know, it's it's just the fact that I, I don't know any person who wouldn't be burnt out. You know, for the amount, and like you said, we've said it time and time again on this podcast, the amount of times that Liverpool have played amazing football and just gotten so little reward for the amount they've done. I, you just have to. It, they just will all have burnt out. And we've seen it. You know, they're now playing Europa League this coming season. There's a reason for that. I wouldn't write Mane off completely, even though many people want to. Um, and I think the Bayern bosses have said that they will, if they get a good offer for him, they will 100% let him go. I would still say give Mane another season. If it doesn't work out, then it just doesn't work out. That's sometimes life. There is every possibility we live in a world where we have Mane, Sane, and just because it makes sense, Kane. Or main sane and Kane. I, I'm I'm all for, I'm more for main sane than Kane. It it rolls off the tongue more. Please, <laughs> one season is all I ask. There you go. I mean, for that you're going to have to go to Daniel Levy. I think um, more on that will come in another transfer episode. But on that note, yeah, I think it's time we wrap this one up. This is the last episode 
of season four. Thank you very much for listening and enjoying the season with us and listening to us rant, rave, and for some of the time, have the most rogue opinions on the internet about some... You say you say some of the time, but it's all of the time. We are just the rogue opinion podcast. It's just, that's just the new tagline. long and short of it. New tagline. The rogue opinion podcast. And neither of us claim that Erling Haaland wouldn't be top scorer this season. So we can't be that rogue. Just, 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 a, just a little anecdote. Remember the comparison that was made. Who will score more goals? Erling Haaland or Darren Nunez? <laughs> and after the community shield everyone's like oh harland is so dusty like, yeah okay oh fine he hit the crossbar he turned around and he smiled that is a man who knew he was going to absolutely bang and he did and i'm sad i was about it yeah i mean there you go but as always don't forget to like share and subscribe to 80 sports news on facebook twitter and instagram especially twitter guys we are putting out all of the new transfer rumors, anything that hasn't been fully, fully made official will be out on Twitter. Anything that is official, we will be putting out on Instagram. Um, but also make sure to check out the Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify for the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. As I said, if you want to hear our opinions on the Nuggets month sacking as well, look at February, March era, obviously when it happened, uh, March, end of March to be uh, exact. Um, do excuse any background noise because we are now in the summer holidays and going uh, or almost taking the 50 plus one football podcast on tour. Uh, so do excuse any of that. But yes, my beautiful people, this brings season four to a close. And for one last time in season four. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. And love the beautiful game.